Peace and wholeness. Welcome back to another episode of the Her Holistic Path podcast. If you are a birth worker or you're doing any kind of health work where you're trying to help people have better experiences in their body, but you also want to bring some spiritual awareness to that practice, I think you are really going to like today's episode. I got a chance to speak with T, Luna, and Hotep. She is many things, some of which are a birth worker, an herbalist, and she even trains doulas out in Ghana. She has a plethora of traveling experiences that have really infused and influenced her work in holistic health. And this conversation really just felt like that, a nice conversation with someone who really gets it. We had a lot of deep insights, good reminders, and I think you're really going to enjoy it. All right, here we go. Thank you for joining us. Welcome. How are you? Thank you for having me. I'm well. I'm well. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I am in um, the midst. Today's the first day of spring break for my children, and I'm like realizing that it's not a break. <laughs> it's a break for them, but it's not a break for me. <laughs> it's spring on for you. <laughs> it's spring on, game on. <laughs> And so now I'm just like, okay, let me reorient my brain because I was ready to like chill out and vibe, which we still will do that. But yeah, I got to put my 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 mama hat on tight <laughs> this week. So um, I just kind of to give a little background, last month was Black Midwives Day and on Black Midwives Day, I tuned into a webinar that you were one of many um, birth workers who were speaking. And I was just so captivated and inspired by your presentation. I felt like you did amazing. And I was like, this, this message has to keep reverberating throughout the atmosphere. So here we are. Thank you so much for joining. So let's just start with how did you get into this path, into your journey? Such a good question. Um, yeah, I, I realize now that the path is I was born into this path. You know, when you really dive deep and start being more reflective about how you got where you are in life, that's where I've gotten to. Um, so I didn't really grow up around like black birth work or anything like that. And I really love hearing people say, I'm like a third generation midwife. And I love to hear that. Um, you know, that's not my story. However, um, I always grew up around mamas and babies. Um, uh, um, you know, my mother was a teen mother and she had her friends, she and her friends raised their kids together. So I feel like that is a part of this work and how, why I'm so passionate and how it has like derived and it developed and evolved. Right. And so, um, I got intentionally into holistic medicine, um, herbalism and all of that, uh, almost 10 years ago. So not quite 10 years ago in 2015. And so that led me down the path, similar to most black black girls tapping in their magic queen of fua and all of that opening those doors for us and so um then it led me to a path of figuring out what that meant for me um what did healing my womb mean for me it was always a personal journey and I believe well, it was personal at first. I knew I wanted to work in my community. I knew I wanted to assist my community with healing, wellness, well-being. Um, and so my background is actually in religious studies and theology. And I didn't know how I was going to, I didn't know where I was doing. Like, all I knew was that after years and years of of being in school, being, you know, academia, I was really big into that. Um, that I really just wanted to be of service. I really wanted to do the work and, you know, be careful what you, <laughs> what you tell the divine, because that will just enough. And so that has led me to where I am now and in the work that I do now. That's beautiful. And it's so funny how like 
I feel like we go to school and, you know, we're going based off of like a somewhat, you know, whimsical <laughs> idea of like what we want to do because we're so young and we're just like, ah, I can see myself, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and then you, you get to the end of being in school and you're like, I don't really know. <laughs> Still, <laughs> I feel like they need to integrate some sort of like, I don't know, some sort of classes to help you really tap into like who you are and like your path and all of that. But also institutional school is kind of joke. <laughs> so um tell us tell us about what your your experiences have been traveling and how that has been with your birth work and your healing work. Uh, so my my first journey traveling was to Brazil in 2016 and into 2017. I lived in Brazil for three months, and I I really start with that because it opened my mind to what leaving our comfort zone, how that how that expands our awareness, you know? And so when I lived in Brazil, I realized that people for the most part, even though, you know, Brazilians are living just like us, they just like us. Right. But for, but for a large part, they are very well connected to the earth. They spend a lot of time outside. They go to the beach a lot. They, you know, integrate a lot of um, spirituality in their everyday life. And so I feel like those little nuggets that I got in my time living in Brazil made me want more of that you know I started to see that the hustle and bustle that we're used to go 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 get it get it get it spend time indoors all the time you know you're in an office you're doing this and of course it's pre-COVID before everybody started realizing that that's a thing right and I just realized like, no, people really be like at the beach chilling with their family. People really just be, you know, they integrate Orisha in their everyday life and don't even realize it. There's music, there's laughter, there's joy. And I actually realized like, oh my gosh, we're just not necessarily used to that. We're not used to on a Friday night, your dad sitting around playing guitar and everybody coming over and singing and dancing and stuff, you know, that way of community and family. And so I would say that that opened my eyes to know that there was another way of living. So I say that to start that traveling is about that. Like traveling is more than just um, let me go and go to a place for two weeks and, and, you know, ball out because the currency is cheaper there. You know, like that's the mentality that black travel has. I feel like in this, uh, social media world that we live in that traveling while black is cool because your money go longer and you get to go and do this. It's like actually traveling is healing and it can offer us a different perspective and it can show us that, this grind culture that we live in isn't healthy for us and that people actually spend time with their families and yeah you know and that there are certain things that we value that a lot of people don't see as important you know and everybody got to make money everybody got to take care of their kids but but actually being with your children and raising them and giving them culture and all that is so important so this this next extensive travel I guess would be my journey to Ghana. I've lived in Ghana for a year and a half. So I left the U.S. in September 2021. And I mm -hmm. thought I was going to go for a couple months. I was like, oh, I'm just going to go for a couple months to see, you know, how yeah. life is. You know, I didn't have a plan. Um, I had just completed my my work in my certification in um, traditional naturopathy uh, through a life of peace. And I was like, okay, but now what's next? Like, you know, like I already had like my business, it was doing okay. Um, and so many other things happened with that. And so travel for me this time was about reconnection, about touching the motherland. Mm -hmm. And I know we could get on a whole conversation about how people feel about all that. But at the end of the day, what we know that all people came from Africa. It don't matter if you think, uh, you know, um, you know, my people indigenous. Yes, I have indigenous people to America mm -hmm. too, but I also know and recognize deeply 
that my people did come from Africa. And so when you touch the soil, there is this like moment of that acknowledgement mm -hmm. that on a cellular level. And, and it's, you know, that makes me think of, I talked to a birth worker friend of mine and she moved out of the U.S. And I said to her, you know, what what do you think about people who say, you know, these Americans are moving out of the U.S. and they're coming to places and they are, you know, essentially there's this feeling of like, y'all don't belong here, you know? And I asked her, you know, how do, how do you contend with that? How do you contend with moving to a place and feeling like that's your new home without disrupting that that culture? And she was like, what do you, what do you mean? The whole earth is my home. That's you know what I'm saying? The, 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 the entire globe, this entire world is our home. And when she said that, it was like, it was like these layers of conditioning like melted off of my brain. And I was like, oh yes, colonization <laughs> makes us feel like. And I mean, there's that thing with tribalism too, right? So the combination of that makes us feel like there's these boundaries of which we're not supposed to come out of, but it's like, oh no, no, no. This whole earth is everybody's home. And we only really feel like protective when we're not treating the earth well, right. you know, and that even just the idea of how traveling can be healing. It's like, what, what does it do for our epigenetic expression to say the last, I don't want to say the last person in our, in our family line, but. Well, but that is what it is. What that does is it do for us, for our, our genetics to to experience like okay someone brought me here and now I have the agency <laughs> to leave <laughs> I mean on a on a true I I mean you hit it you hit the nail on the head on a true epigenetic healing point that you feel it mm -hmm. on a cellular level yeah how you how returning home and stepping foot and putting your feet in the soil of the motherland, it don't matter where you step foot, but that that you're returning back, your your womb feels it. Every part, everything inside you feel it. And so, you know, I was very weary about going to the dungeons because, and I did go once. And I mean, and that was the feeling in the dungeons, which was like, who you feel it on a, on a, on an epigenetic memory like a, mm -hmm. a part of me, a part of in you remembers mm. the, the how scary that unknown feeling felt you know and so when we and and we as descent as as um diaspora and, and descendants of of enslaved Africans right that we have it on that level in a way that Africans who are on the land don't because right. they go and they're like, oh, yeah, this happened. Jesus sad. You know, it's history for them. It's like, oh, okay, it's detached. And mm -hmm. and when we go, it is we are the remnant that was left behind. And I said, when I realized it's a miracle that we still black of all that our families went through. It is it is nothing but divine ordinance that we still have a, a resemblance of the part of the ancestors who went through the, that process because it was it was meant to break us it was meant to make to to erase us and if when we if and when we return it's it's I really do feel like it's necessary which is why I wrote my you know did my presentation on that like we are meant to return home and there are people there are elders who heard from the divine that we are meant to return home and they're waiting for us. They're waiting to die. For, they're waiting for us to return so that they can go on and mm. so that we can get the medicine that we're supposed to get. Wow, that's that's powerful. Do you feel like, or not feel like, um, did your journey with Orisha in African traditional religion, did that start with your journey to Ghana or was that, before and it's just a continuation yeah that's a good question no it didn't at all <laughs> and, and Ghana has very little 
acknowledgement or awareness of Orishas because Orishas are Nigerian anyway. And mm -hmm. so, and they're Yoruba, Yor, they're Yoruba specifically. And so, but that's a, I can get on that, but we'll come back around. So no, um, I started my journey into African spirituality uh, in 2015. So I started it as I was doing my own healing work and I moved out of a traditional um judeo-christian censored lens and i moved into wanting to tap into my ancestral um spiritual practices and so it actually opened up through um through kemet of course as we all through kemetic sciences through um ifa as a science you know so the if you understand and understand more than religion or spirituality but there's a science to that as well and then um and then also through uh, Malik Domasome and Sabun Fusome who I quoted and mentioned in my work through their practice in traditional spiritual sciences and understanding ritual so all of that actually happened way before I came to Ghana and Ghana was me trying to like see it see it in real time and see mm -hmm. if I could pinpoint it you know and some of the things that really hit me was like when I first got to Ghana I'll, I'll be quick on this one and some of the spiritual things that I experienced I remember being like oh shit. oh shit I, I read that in a book like you know like to see some stuff that that like that is beyond going to somebody church like seeing shit float and stuff that shouldn't and seeing people use their keys and medicine and magic to do things right in front of your eyes and you're like you you know you're rubbing your eyes like is that real because we're so conditioned to think that that's only on tv we're conditioned to think that that's only in movies that somebody has to use cgi and all this stuff that to make something that is real it came from something you know and so I think that was the biggest thing for me when I finally when I did get to Ghana was being exposed to a lot of spiritual things and having to like decompress my consciousness to like take some of that oh this is this can't be real out and say no this is right in front of your face like you cannot you yeah. can't can't deny it yeah, exactly. wow so how did that impact your journey with birth work um so much uh so <laughs> so the the intricate and unfortunate thing is that um there because of you know this neo-colonized lens through which Africa is being exposed to now right when with China and all these other countries about you know coming back um, you know, people are moving more towards Western medicine. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, what I expected, what I expected was what True Kellum wrote in her book, you know, going back to Africa and going into the village and going to, you know, but what I got, you know, was definitely like traditional midwife saying, oh yeah, we can't practice anymore. Like I don't, I don't catch babies anymore because they've told me that it's illegal so if there's a hospital close enough then the mom has to go there you know and so them keeping it on the hush keep not talking about it and so it actually took a lot more time um I worked more in the I work in the clinics there so I trained doulas through um the holistic doula through a life of peace I trained holistic doulas in Ghana um most of whom are diasporans who are learning um mm -hmm not so much local people, but we go to the local clinics and then the local midwives look at us and they're like, what are y'all doing? You know, so we had to really teach them like, oh no, we're not here to tell you that what you're doing is wrong. We're just here to remember, to remind you that this is how you love on a mom. You know, that you don't just beat her and treat her like she isn't giving birth to a person like you know they're the way that they're treated in the hospitals is is quite disgusting and it has everything to do with colonization you know and so just reminding them that once upon a time not too long ago a mom did get rubbed on and loved on while she was in this process and we're just reminding you that so mm -hmm. that has kind of been the journey um, what I have gotten and the impact of 
spiritual science and herbalism like that's those things aren't gone that's the beauty of that is that people are catching less babies um at home they are going to the hospital even people in the villages however people still have the medicine you know and so those are things that I'm learning slowly but surely having to ask a lot of questions because it's not out it's not just blatant in your face um you know most people do know something about herbs something something little something something but you have to ask a lot of questions they don't just tell folks you know so that's been it it has been a very much observing sitting back watching asking what are you using that for you know going on a lot of walks you know picking up the earth seeing what they're doing that and then somebody remember oh yeah you can use this for that you know and so just picking that up over time yeah it's so interesting how you know for us here in the states to go back through the history of birth we have to rewind you know like a couple hundred years to explain why we're here now right we have to we have to go back into early 1900s early 1800s 1700s to explain well this is when obstetrics and gynecology got started and this is how and this is why and this is all of the racism and the colonization that's weaved into it but over there um it's like that's what's happening now and it's so interesting what I want to ask you is I've spoken to people who are from places that have like one hospital you know and the hospital is super far away and it's like there's there's this kind of a catch-22 where there's some places on the globe where because of the health issues that are occurring, right, because of lack of clean water or lack of good sanitation or whatever the case may be, there's certain diseases or certain issues that are impacting the health of mothers. And so for them, having a hospital is is life-saving it's incredibly important they haven't reached that point that the U.S. has reached where it's like we have too many hospitals in some places or we have too much I won't say too many hospitals but too much medicalization of pregnancy and birth where do you feel like how was your experience with viewing like this place you of course you need a hospital but at the same time there seems to be a loss of like that ancestral birthing practice. What what was that like for you? I mean, uh, so I'm from the South. So to be honest, we kind of deal with the same thing in rural, yeah. in rural places in the South where my family's from in Atmore, Alabama, the hospital that is there you can't birth there. So, so this town has no hospital that people can give birth at. So they have to go outside in Alabama. So -hmm. if you think about it like that, for me, it felt similar because of that being raised in the South and how in, in those rural areas, they are greatly impacted. And a lot of it has to do same. So it's the same for me, parallel when you take out the healer of your community, but leave the people with nothing, you're doing them a disservice. Mm-hmm. The only reason that people's lives are at risk is because the healer that was in that community isn't there anymore. Yeah. You've told this healer that her work is illegal, that that they can't do this here, that it, they could go to jail. You've killed them. You've done this. You've done that. You ostracized them. You called them witches and da 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 da. Right? That is. Uh, it is a and a full reflection mm-hmm. of of the systems taking the healers out of the communities. So mm-hmm. we see it here and we see it there because at the end of the day, these healers, the and they call them traditional birth attendants or whatever the case may be, they knew what they were doing. They knew how to keep things sanitized. They knew all of these practices, but they couldn't pass it on. Why? Because people moved out. So it wasn't enough people to pass this wisdom on. People, you know, people were left without so much access to knowledge and information. And so it leaves the most vulnerable at risk anywhere you go, whether that's here in America, whether that's out in the middle of the bush, Anywhere you go, when you take the knowledge and wisdom of the people out, you leave them vulnerable. 
ignorance is vulnerability. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's so, it's so crazy to me to think that even, you know, in a place where we want to return to, you know, we want to return home. It's like, they're going through that process of their healers being removed. Um, which brings me to, I guess, a controversial question, but I feel like I have to bring this up. Um, not to everyone that I interview, but to the people I feel like they have a good, they have a good voice in this conversation about, you know, traditional midwifery in the States. And how do you feel about the role of traditional midwives? Um, I know that during, you know, different weeks that we have where we celebrate um, or bring awareness to the issues within the Black community, um, or we celebrate the the strides that we've made, sometimes there's this air of like, midwifery is good as long as you're a licensed midwife. Mid midwifery is making changes as long as you're a CNM or a CPM. And the conversation gets really quiet and really gray and a lot of side eyes when we start talking about traditional midwifery. But yet in the same breath, we'll be like, healers 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 and look what they did to our grandmothers and I'm like is it me or <laughs> am I missing something <laughs> because it's not you it's, it's what do you think about that as as far as you'd like to to yeah. to speak on that topic I know okay so so I actually dealt with that myself right that internal you on the hot spot <laughs> yeah you really like for real like I had a real internal struggle about that the same thing like because who legitimizes us you know what I'm saying because it's like the traditional when when traditional healers when traditional midwives said they never lost a baby no matter what the race of that baby was, they never lost a baby. They was dealing with preterm babies. They was dealing with under, you know, low weight babies. They was dealing with the same problems. Mm -hmm. You think malnutrition and all these things is new? No. So it's like they knew something more. And so for me, I, when I see midwives like Mama Saran and Mama Sakisa and and um, midwife. Um, uh, Mary Saiz, like I, I, I love my midwife, Tony, like I love my midwives that keep it 100 with you. Like, you know, and I know that midwife Tony from Mississippi, she just mentioned how she went ahead and took the test for CPM and that, you know, she'd been a midwife for over 10 years, but she was like, let me go ahead and take this test because if, if I don't do it, then there's no preceptors for, there's no black preceptors in my area for black midwives who want to take the CPM, mm -hmm. you know? So it's like, that's the thing we're running into is that you see more, more black midwives taking the CPM because just, just to make sure that there's somebody who's coming behind them, yeah. you know, and the legislation and all that you hear when you listen to the midwives who, whether they are CNMs or CPMs, how much they had to go through mm -hmm. in order to get where they are, like how much rigmarole, how you know, all the red tape that they put them through, the years and years it took them to get certified, to finish nursing school, to to all these different things, right? That's controlled by white women. It's not even white men no more. You know, we ain't got to worry about them. The white women got their foot on our neck hard enough, you know? Yeah. And so for me, I even ran into that when I first, um, when I moved to Alabama, because I'm not, from, my family's from Alabama. So I moved, I grew up in Atlanta, moved to Alabama. But when I moved there in 2018, I reached out to a mid, a, there was only, there's no, there was no black midwives at the time. Now Stephanie Mitchell has moved down to Alabama, but she wasn't there before. So, um, there was a white mid, some a few white midwives in my area, and I reached out about um, assisting the black families that they're serving. Mm -hmm. And she said, "No, thank you." <laughs> she said, "The only the only people I allow to assist me are my midwives assistants and the doulas that I work with. But if there's anyone that's looking for some services like yours, I'll let you know. I'll send them your way." And 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 that's where the rubber meets the road for me because. While I remember seeing this this quote of somebody saying, don't forget that our ancestors 
you know, and our grandparents and great great grandparents, they did want things separate but equal. <laughs> For real. <though. laughs> right, don't forget, don't forget that a lot of black people we didn't care about separate equal, but not nah, y'all can stay over there. That's right. <laughs> because when we start this whole idea of integrating, it's it's a facade. It's yeah. not actually integration. It's just another layer of oppression that we have assimilated to that we all are comfortable. Integration, <laughs> into, integration is assimilation, but a better, yeah. another word. So yeah. if you didn't, if if integration, we all know it's not, it's not, it's not a, a it's not hidden that integration was the worst thing that could have happened for black community, black people. It was the worst thing that could have happened for our communities, for our health and well-being. We just wanted equal support and care from the government. We mm -hmm. wanted the books up to date. We wanted our, our medical facilities up to date. We wanted that, you know. Um, when I think about integration, my, my grandmother is 67 and she, and then she's the baby. All of her siblings, all she and her siblings were born at home. My, she was, I was just talking to my mom and she was saying that gr my grandmother was reflecting that the first people who were born in the hospitals there, they had to be, they had to go under, like in the basement. The black people were allowed to birth in the basement. And they said in the indigenous folk, because my, my family is, is um, Muscogee Creek, um, Native American as well. And so that the indigenous folk had to go below that. So they said that like they wasn't that they was integrating, but they was not treating treating us equally. We were not getting seen by anyone who cared about us. Yeah. So so yes, that that is true. So yeah, that's it's that's the truth. You're right. And so when it comes to that, I I really will say when go back to your question, this whole legit uh, legitimization and all of that. I do have a problem with it because it makes you feel like what's what are my choices you know and so for me I I was going to do the um you know the route and take the CPM route and all this stuff and then I got more information around the CIM the certified international midwifery route which means I could catch babies internationally which because technically me taking births um abroad I wouldn't be able to qualify for the CPM still so mm -hmm. I would have to come here to the to the to the US to catch babies and stuff like that. So I was going back and forth. And again, my ancestors was like, we told you what you were supposed to do. Like they was just like, you know, they're like, we told you what you were supposed to do. And I feel like my issue with the legis like the the the, the CPM and the CNM is that it limits you. It actually doesn't open more doors for you. It limits you as a practitioner and because you then have to care about your license getting revoked instead of caring for people, you know, and I'm here for the people. Right. First, you know, and so I want, I know that I'm called to work with people who, I, and my goal is to and midwife Tony said this on a clubhouse before, and she was saying how she was like, we need to know how to take difficult births. We need to know how to take a uh, high risk births, because as long as it's not necessary for a cesarean, if we don't have experience of what people consider high risk and how we can heal them, how we can work through med medicine and homeopathy and uh, herbalism to support moms who have blood, high blood pressure and, and gestational diabetes, all these things that are curable. These things don't automatically mean that the mom has to go to the hospital, but they're uh, because of the CPM and because of the CNM, they're automatically thrown into the hospital, which puts them more at risk then, you know? And so for me, as a my journey, moving into my journey as a student midwife, because I'm taking that step now, um, it is about being able to, to serve all birthing folk who come my way if they don't need to be cut open I want to be able to serve them yes. Yes. you know yes and this I thought about this so much when we were like at the height of the pandemic and you know you had all these people who were like switching over to home birth and I said to myself right now we're in a pandemic 
But let's just say we're in a situation where it's a natural disaster. In power shortages, you know, we got issues with the mail. And it made me think to myself, all of the people who work within a hospital are trained to use tools. Tools have to be powered by Electricity. electricity and various other things. They come from a system. So literally the flick of a switch and they wouldn't know what to do. And then you have these people here who it's like we, the midwives, they should be learning about the herbs. They should be learning about the different techniques. They should be learning about the spirituality of it. But because the midwifery has been so medicalized, they too would be impaired by a situation like that. And it's just, it's so interesting to me how even within these conversations of like, we need more black midwives and we need, (laughs) we need that more. We're still, it it feels like it's still not all the way clicking over that if we're still being controlled by the state, by the government, by ACOG and all these different organizations, then we're still not getting back to the root of our ability to heal and fully walk with women. And um, it's it's crazy when you start looking at the kinds of things that midwives knew how to do before colonization. Right. Like they, they knew how to do a C-section. They, they did know how to do a C-section. They knew how to they knew how to make sure a baby got here healthily and the mama was going to live just fine. You know, and I was reading an article that said the earliest or it was what it was probably a, a YouTube short, a, a short, you know, social media, mm-hmm. you know, and what they were saying, like Uganda, they were practicing um, uh, cesarean sections. And, and I'm sure. And in in Kemet, they were practicing cesareans because they were already doing surgery. So, yeah. so let's not act like these things are new. We just knew how to do it in a way that honored the mother and the baby and both their lives were fine and how to assist them in making sure that their their blood is is well that they're healing effectively that they still have a holistic postpartum experience that we're not adding more trauma to mm-hmm. their experience and that is the thing that will save lives yeah. is trying to do the least amount of harm and add the least amount of trauma and making sure that we integrate holistic practices especially in the postpartum period, because we're having a lot of conversation now around treating mothers well during pregnancy, treating birthing people well during pregnancy, but there's still a missing convo around the postpartum practices. And that's the part that's killing people, you know, and and that's the part that I'm like, when I observe the most is the, is the harm done with the removal of the placenta and the, you know, and not honoring that and not all the, all the things that we know are a problem, you know, and, and just even the treatment of the baby immediately postpartum, not honoring this, mm-hmm. this, this, this being who just came from spirit into human flesh, you know, like there's so much spiritual connection that is being cut at the, at the, at the inception of bringing Mm-hmm. The earth side the things that have been cut for all of us you know and we wonder why we are living in such a highly traumatizing world right now and yeah. a lot of it has to do with this spiritual imbalance that people are having and folks are focused on the wrong thing they mm-hmm. think that it is folks sexuality and gender orientation and this and that and da, 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 da. they think it's the wrong thing you know and it's mm-hmm. like actually it's the total disconnection from spirit at the at the the moment that a child is born into the world Just popping in to let you know who is sponsoring today's episode. Those first few days and weeks after giving birth can be a lot. And I've met so many mamas who are unprepared for both the mental and the physical recovery from birth. 
I know for me personally, after I had my first baby, there was a whole lot of, when you go to the store, grab this. When you go to the store, grab that. <laughs> because I just didn't realize which things would be helpful to me physically healing during that postpartum process. Numa's Happy Mama Kits exist to make the postpartum experience feel a little bit more comfortable, whether you've had a vaginal birth or a belly birth. Their kit has 12 postpartum products, ranging from a soft nursing tank top to ultra stretchy undies. The postpartum healing process can be overlooked in so many different ways, so I think this is a great gift either to bring to a baby shower or just to give to a family that is expecting a new baby. I know I am always encouraging the mamas that I work with to prepare for that immediate postpartum healing process, and I think this is a great place to start. So if you want to grab a kit for yourself or somebody you know, you can go to numakits.com. Yeah, yeah. And I, I was doing a plant medicine journey, and I thought to myself, how crazy is it to be born? <laughs> How crazy is it to come out and emerge in the first thing that you feel, you know, you're you're out of the water, you're out of the warmth of your mother. And the first thing you experience is this, <laughs> this rough piece of fabric rubbing at your skin and people yelling in this bright light. And in all of the stress and anxiety, and it must be a very wild experience that in some way disassociates us to some degree from our bodies. And so, you know, I'm, I'm, let's talk about, you know, those postpartum practices, because I, I, I definitely feel like when it comes to birth work, we don't really have any traditions or we have very limited traditions that are there for our health and our well-being. So what kind of things do you think can be integrated into, I guess you could say like the American, the Black American postpartum experience <laughs> that could be helpful um, that, you know, you've learned on your journey? Um. I feel like a lot of people are doing a lot of those things. I, you know, whether, and I don't want to just specify in Africa, but I've, I've continued to read a lot about many indigenous places and their practices. So I definitely see the reclamation of home birth as one of those things that people are tapping back into that. Um, I do also see the, the process of lotus birth. As also as one of those things. And I don't think that goes for everybody. I don't think everybody's meant to have a lotus birth, but I think the acknowledgement that there, there needs to be a gentler practice when the baby is born and when, and in its process of, of getting centered on the earth, right. And how we need to honor the placenta as this, this, carrier that you know as the second mother right that is conceived the the moment the that that chat that baby that fetus is conceived it the the placenta too is conceived so it's a part of it and not automatically disconnecting the 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 baby from the placenta I really truly believe that that is something that as people are doing I really want more and more people to tap into that wisdom um because in the traditional settings all around the world, they honored that. They totally got that connection. And midwives, grand midwives, traditional midwives did the same thing. And midwives are now doing that too, you know? So just those, pra those practices. And um, what do you feel like the benefit of that is? Because so many of us focus on, okay, well, then the baby's going to get all of its blood. Like the baby's going to get this one third of its blood coming from the placenta but even outside of the physicality like to you when you when you feel like a baby benefits from being intact with its placenta what does that mean for that baby yeah I mean I really do believe what people are saying like you know that it gives them a a gentler journey of of coming earthside also it gives them their time to adjust 
to being detached from something that was a part of them. And I really wonder, because we don't know, right? We don't know the feeling, the pain. Mm-hmm. There are nerves and arteries in the the placenta in the in the umbilical cord. We don't know how much pain that actually causes the baby when you when you cut the cord, right? We think it doesn't. We don't think it matters. We think the baby cries for all these other reasons. We don't know how that feels um energetically or spiritually. I do believe, you know, about the aura. They that they share this aura and that it should be a gentler experience in them detaching when they're ready. You know, it's like letting go of anything we we have problems letting go things and we just (laughs) we just think this baby's supposed to be like oh you're fine you know and we wonder why babies are so fussy and disconnected and all of that and you know people who have home births they who have lotus births they say that babies who experience that tend to be calmer and their spirits you know long term actually seem more adjusted and more grounded and so those things are have been seen on on this energetic level of the the importance of honoring that that placenta baby connection um you know and so i i think we are too quick to discount the feelings of a newborn baby we're we're too quick to think that the things that we do to the the newborn infant don't matter and I believe that everything that we do from the energy that touches the baby, the moment that it's born to the, the intentions around it, everything, all of that matters. The words being said around the baby coming into the world. I, I really do believe that all of that has an imprint on it at such at the most impressionable moment of it coming, because my, my, my belief is that a, a baby, the body is just a vessel. And so that's why in traditional settings, it takes time for them. They don't bring the baby outside. They don't, you know, depending on however many days, usually up to up to 10 days, the baby isn't brought outside because it takes time for the spirit of the baby to find the body. We, mm-hmm. we see this in comedic theology we see this in all types of theologies all indigenous theologies have this perspective and we we wonder we we think that oh this this personality is just automatic but it actually takes time the spirit of that body has to find it and Mm -hmm. so and so honoring that time you know not putting a baby in a room with a bunch of other babies like who knows you know and i don't have so many other thoughts around why we are dealing with some of the things we're dealing with and i truly do believe it is due to this like the spirits not knowing where to go because they yeah. they're just not directed in the way that it once was and so you know I, I I do believe that there's so many things when it comes to that to that placenta connection to just honoring the gentleness of the process to not having a lot of hands on the baby all of those things I do think impact um that that holistic and it's not it's because we are spirit so I when people say oh spiritual like spiritual isn't this thing that's outside of us we are spirit mm-hmm. in the body. Yeah. It took some time for this spirit to get there, you know, and so, so giving that spirit some time to assimilate and to account, you know, acclimate into the body. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And it makes me, it brings up so many things to think about as far as hospital birth and kind of how people in a hospital birth setting, a lot of times there will be conversation happening once the baby comes out immediately. And, you know, at first I would ask the parents that I was working with, like, you know, if there's anything you want to happen in that space, if you want it to be quiet, if you want to be the first person to speak to the baby, let me know. Um, But because a lot of times it's like I'm working with people who are American and they don't have any grounding for traditional practices, they're not really conjuring up any ideas. They're just like, I don't really... I can't really think of anything, but there's been so many times where I was in a hospital room, a baby is born, and the first words, you know, that are spoken after that baby is born is, 
oh, 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 you were a little difficult one, weren't you? Or you're a little stubborn, baby. And I'm like, why would you put that on this new soul, this new spirit that has come in in this fresh body? Why would you reverberate those, you know, like those yeah. quantum patterns onto this baby? And all, and even just the focus, you know, a lot of times in the hospital room, the focus is put onto everyone but the mother. Yeah. Ooh, so a lot of times the nurses are having conversations about the baby or um, the doctor is saying things or even I've also witnessed the mother kind of venerating the doctor like you know you oh my goodness thank you so much you did so great delivered me you delivered yes. me you, from yes, this. you delivered me and I'm like what does it do to us you know it's it feels like a ritual for us to be born you know in this building <laughs> with all these strangers you know and it's like that's how most Americans will continue to live their lives they will move into an apartment building with all these strangers and they'll go to work in a building with all these strangers and they'll touch hands and exchange energy with all these strangers and it just feels like such a symbolic unfortunate moment of how a lot of people will go on to live the rest of their lives it just it makes me think about that a lot so yeah hmm. I know I know that's a good <laughs> like uh, because it's all connected, you know. And I I really have done the same thing that that in those quiet meditations of like how all this is connected and symbolic and how it's just this we I mean we we have been institutionalized, you know, and from from the onset from the moment we come out into the world and and we continue this life until till you die that's what they want us to do in this world in this in the western world particularly in a world that doesn't value us as human beings yeah. and you know and I always say you know black 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 mamas and babies were no longer important when there wasn't a value placed on their well-being you know right. they didn't have to be living and well and, and cared for and, and make sure that the baby make it or the mama make it once, mm -hmm. once they weren't enslaved anymore, you know? So, so we have to put those pieces back together and we have to, rem to value ourselves enough and stop living in fear because that's the thing that really separates people from doing what they know that they could do. You know, there are a lot of people who want to have a birth that they know that they deserve. And the thing that I want to push people at where, where I'm at now is that for one, doulas, us birth workers, we can't save you. I just want you to know that. Like, you know, and I and I say that because that really isn't our purpose. We're here to support you in your divine mission as you initiate into mm -hmm. parenthood. We're, we, you know, and we can do our best with the tools that we have, but it, it the onus is on the birthing family mm -hmm. to educate themselves, to feel confident in the decision that they're making, to read all the books plus some. Like I always say, oh yeah, we read all the books, but you need to, if this is what you want, when you say, I want to have a home birth, I want to do this and stop doing it out of fear. Because I hear time and time again, you know, folks say, well, I, I can't, you know, I just don't want to have my baby in the hospital. I'm so afraid. You need yeah. to move past that fear. The fear can't be the thing that's pushing you, driving you to have your baby at home. Right. You have to know that that's your, that's the place that your baby has divinely told you it's meant to be born. Because if not, more often than not, they be they'll be born in the hospital because your the fear that drove you wasn't strong enough to keep you when the labor you know started to work that work came around and all that fear continues to drive them until the end until they say I'm just going to go succumb to going to the place that I didn't want to be in the first place. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the thing that I have seen is that people really have to let go of the fear and move into their power and make these choices because they know that they know that they know that they can do it, that that they are fully empowered and guided by their by the mission of the ancestor returning. 
and and that they feel confident in the choice that they make because you get you get shaky when you start telling folks that this is what you want to do and folks start coming at you sideways. Oh, that's <laughs> nah, I would never do that. Nah, anything can happen. You have to know because all that's going to go right into you and into your psyche and, and bring doubt and it's going to tap into the fear and doubt you already had. And so if you don't deal with that stuff, there's no way that it can be fully successful as you want it to be. If it's, if it's driven and, and inspired by all those other things, everything that you have to do has to be done out of love. Yeah. That's right. So before we wrap up, um, if you could share some things possibly that birth workers here in the States you think could begin to integrate into their practice um, or even parents um, that can integrate into their practice when it comes to things like herbs, when it comes to things like even just um, spiritual practices that can be brought into that journey of pregnancy, birth, postpartum um, that you feel like aren't really aren't really being integrated or there's not a lot of awareness around them right now. I know there's infinite herbs and infinite oh, gosh. So, <laughs> oh my goodness. I would say, um, so I always like to plug a dear sister friend who was a part of my initiation into um, Black birth work. And I don't even know if she really realizes how much an impact she made on me, but um, divine divine birth wisdom. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, so, um, you know, I met divine when she was just starting out her work and what she does now and to see the impact that she's made and how many folks like take her class and she's a master at what she does you know she's an ethnobotanist and she really is has tapped into the way that herbs work and she she's really talented in what she does so I like to push like not only birth like birth workers to take her course because it's not only affordable but it's in it's extremely accessible and she knows her stuff um so divine birth wisdom um she's great for she does grandma's hands for birth and postpartum traditions right pregnancy and postpartum um and so that's her jam um so I would say getting under master teachers like I feel like that's the number one thing whether you are a birth worker or a parent Mm -hmm. making sure that you have the right guidance and 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 are following the right people because if you distract yourself with people who are more caught up around the money or the this or the or the flash or whatever else like you know six-figure business in the birth or like all that stuff then you're doing it for the wrong reasons and that's never going to that's not really a calling like money comes it's it's a flow it's an energy right so you have to make sure your intention is right and making sure that you're being led by intentional mentors they don't have to be right in front of your face but people that you follow um so I I will say that's the next one is mentorship is Mm -hmm. really important well mentorship right and getting someone that truly gets you you know, I I am, I really believe that because if they don't get you, they can't lead you. They can't teach you and they can't, they can't have the wisdom to guide you when you need it the most. So getting a, a woman mentor, a mentor who, or however you want to call mentor, Jagnow, however you want to call it, you know, folks have funny, they funny about those words, right? But getting some guidance by someone who is willing to to be there for you when you need them and they're not gonna they're not gonna tell you what to do they're gonna honor your process they're gonna speak words of life into you and they're also going to listen when you when you start having the doubt a good person who's there to guide you is going to reframe that doubt and turn and empower you when you move along this journey Mm -hmm. um and I will say for your spiritual practice is about tapping into your ancestors. I feel like everybody want to talk about gods and goddesses and stuff, but our first yeah. is, you know, our first connection to the spirit realm is the people we came from, you know, and it don't have to be nothing big. And I like to tell people that, like, remember that you are the altar. Ritual is a, a practice of reconnection to earth, to nature. 
And your ritual could be going outside, taking a walk. Your ritual could be lighting a candle. It could be lighting the incense. It could be taking care of your, your plants or whatever, right? Drinking some tea and talking to your ancestors. It doesn't have to be bigger than us. And I feel like that's the thing that I'm realizing as I tap into traditional spirituality more so I realize how simple ritual is and how we make it so big we make it this whole big shebang like we don't have to be all that it don't have to be oh yes girl every single day I wake up and I do this whole 25 candle ritual like it don't have to be that it can be if you got the time but some of us don't have the time you know and so just talking to your ancestors, remembering them and asking them, what was it that I came here to, what did I sign up for? Because that's the thing we're not always willing to accept. We're not always willing to accept that we signed up for some stuff, right? We we signed up to have whatever experience that we need to enlighten our purpose. Mm -hmm. That's what life gives us. And so when we stop dwelling on the the trauma, the pain, the this and that, we can acknowledge it. We don't have to dwell on it. And that's when true healing occurs is not living in the story that we created in order to survive and realizing that we can continue to write our story, that we can rewrite our story however many times we need to do so and don't feel, and that's something and I say this because of, of my own experience and I say this to don't let the feelings of what you think that other people feel about you, right? Because those are often not real. It's not, we, the right. thing that we think other people think are often not real, right? And so that story that we tell, rewrite that story, rewrite one that is, is empowered and that's full of love. Because really, honestly, truly, we can't do nothing without love. And, and that's that's my that's how I live. That's my standpoint on it. And and that's what I always bring everywhere I go. Yes. I love that. I love that. Well, thank you so much. I felt like this conversation was truly a journey (laughs) and I feel like it will definitely be, it will be um, a nice companion for those who are on their journey. So if people would like to tap into your offerings your services let us know what you're in the midst of and where people can find you sure um I I I do admit that I'm not the best on social media but um they can always email me at t luna at a y d h e a l w e l l dot org that is a y d healwell dot org um, I do have this. That's also my website that is in revamping right now. Um, I am currently educating holistic doulas in Ghana, and I also work online through a Life of Peace Wellness Institute. So I don't, I don't train on my own. I train through the institute, um, and I also just launched my holistic childbirth educators course. Um, and I do, I will also um, put out some childbirth education for families. And so that's, that's been fun because I teach childbirth educa- as for educators. I don't teach it the way that most people teach it because I'm like, well, that's not why they took my course. Um, I come at it from a, as a very inclusive, fully, um, you know, social justice, social economic um lens like just understanding how our experiences empower our community and and we use need to use that to educate them so kind of deep diving deep into that from that perspective um what else am I doing yeah I just be out here be here I you know so they can follow me on social media but right now they're not gonna get much um but I I just I really genuinely live and I think that makes it hard for me to kind of record my life um yeah yeah, you know living is is a real thing y'all and I really want people to live more and so yeah that's where I am right now one day I might do more bring people over to learn certain things that'll come in the future um so if you want to come to Ghana to hang out I'm also open for that I'll be around and um okay don't don't say it too loud now (laughs) 
love, I want people to come and visit, you know, I'm like, yes, like, I really have created a life to where I want to welcome people, because I think that it's important to do that, and um, I feel like I wanted to share one thing, oh, I'm also, and I haven't done it yet, but I am um, going to, as I start my midwifery studies and training, I'm going to maybe do like a little study with me and book review YouTube channel one day sometime. So that's me holding myself accountable. So what I'm going to hold you accountable. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is me saying that out loud is that. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now it's out here in the atmosphere. We know you can't hide. <laughs> But that's that's it. Thank you so much for having me. It's really been a pleasure, Olivia. If today's episode brought you a little bit of light or nourishment into your journey, I would love it if you could leave a review. I know everybody is asking for comments and subscribes and reviews, but let me tell you why it's makes a difference and why it's important to me when I reach out to different guests that I want to bring onto this podcast which there are so many people who I feel like can come on the podcast and just pour into the collective it really helps to have these reviews to show them like hey here are the people here is the audience that actually tunes in they're listening they like this podcast and it really just helps as in terms of me being able to continue to broaden my reach so i can make this podcast better and i'm not gonna lie it gives me a little bit of motivation (laughs) to let me know that what i'm putting out into the atmosphere is not just something that i'm benefiting from and i'm enjoying but that other people are being touched in a positive way by this work. So if you find some time in your day to pause and go to Apple Podcasts, definitely make sure you leave your Instagram handle so I can say thank you because I can't respond on the actual app and it will be greatly, greatly appreciated. Have lots of new things coming that I will be announcing soon. But for now, you can look out for the next episode, which is going to be all about oxytocin. If you subscribe, (laughs) you'll get a notification to your phone when that comes out. All right, y'all. Until next time, peace.